city. It is this sprawling massive place miles and miles across. Been here as long as anyone can remember. Nobles play their power games. Guilds maneuver for money and influence. Dark things emerge from the shadows to hunt. And the lamplighters take everything in while keeping the darkness at bay. The thing I always wonder is why. Why do these lamplighters keep the darkness back? What investment do they have in Avalon? Streets of Avalon, an urban RPG setting by Brett Blazinski for the world's most popular role-playing game. Ask for it at your friendly local game store or head over to gamingnbs.com forward slash streets. How to burn down your publishing company in three easy steps. This is Gaming NBS episode 348 being recorded Monday, June 28th, 2021. What the hell? This is not the intro music. Shit. No, we got him on a That was awesome. Welcome to a gaming and BS podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome back. Glad everybody's on board. Sean, how the hell are you, man? <laughs> Dude. Out there saving cats. Saving wildlife. Saving wildlife. We are... Making, you're making points with the wife, though, there. I mean, that's just... That's good yeah. stuff. Yeah, she was... You saved, you, saved, you saved the cat. That's nice. We saved it. Yeah, we saved it. All right. Okay, well, yes, we have a feral cat neighborhood. There were three of them. Wife was feeding them. Well, Mama got captured tonight, and of course, then it's like, what do we do with Mama? So we we start this podcast out. Like, if somebody's like, this is your first gaming and BS role playing game podcast. Welcome to Feral Cats, mm-hmm. the RPG. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Anyways, so that's why I'm late this evening. That's um, all right, man. And I'm done with my basement. Very like, good. Officially done. Done. I've got the panels hanging up. VC Young helped me put up acoustic panels. I, I would. Sh- I could probably show you pictures. That's all right. Uh, you get pictures, post them. And if this is your first episode of Gaming and Bass RPG podcast, welcome to my fine, my fine house, <laughs> the RPG. All right. So I'll tell you what. <laughs> Did you actually do any RPG since we talked? Holy last shit, did I, Brett? Let me tell you. You ever have get, Brett, Let's get on fucking topic. Let's Brett, let me let me po- let me pose a question to you, Brett. Hit me. When's you know? Have you ever had one of those times where you're like, "Hey, I'm on a game master," and you kind of do some prep, right? And you're like, "Okay, mm-hmm. sounds good. They're gonna come across this, come across that," and you kind of go along, and they go into an encounter of some kind, social combat, whatever, and then all of a sudden, it's the player does something and you could just hear the record scratch from like you know miles away you ever you ever have that moment it's a good moment i think oh uh, yeah like, oh right? yeah depending what depending on what it is that they do 99 times out of 100 though it's awesome right oh they do something crazy for sure absolutely i had that moment on thursday night in our my forbidden yeah. lands group yeah tell me about it well what i happened? can't go into too much because it'll be spoiler right I, all right all right but it was good though boy yeah it was it was it was somebody doing something at a time you never thought they would do it, right? Like, hey, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to drive a car, and then what I'm going to do is, uh, I don't know, put on a ring. It was kind of that situation. Like, hey, I'm going to yeah. do this, 
And then you know well, that ring that, that we got what, like and three and rooms ago. Yeah, I'm gonna put that on, even though I don't know what it is or what it does. Yeah. So, Phil, he's in the chat right now. He's like, uh, so. Phil Phil had a bad week and then he played the game and then he's like yeah he said it was the worst movie he had ever done as a player in like 20 years which I think he's being a little <laughs> bit hard on himself well, I'll tell it, you, it was pretty funny Phil, it could be worse Phil at least at least people so I had set up a uh, this is ages back it set up a dark ages vampire game my buddy Lenny's playing this character and uh, I completely forgot that his character is very old school the concept of the Magna Carta, peasants reading and so forth. He's like, that's bad because peasants, people can read. That's a bad idea. So on and so forth. So he does not like the written word like mm. at all. Unless I'm religious and possibly mystical, doesn't like it. So I plant this book, which is this cool thing. It has to do with this bizarre, um, almost uh, Da Vinci-like mechanism thing. It's very plain. English, easy to read and understand. He happens upon it. He finds it. I describe it to him in all of its glory and everything you could possibly do. He looks me dead in the eye and says, I burn it. <laughs> I, I, you, you do what? Yeah, right. This, 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 this shouldn't exist. I burn it. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck me. Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. That was like I gave. Oh, oh my. This is like, you know, if only we could unlock this door, we could find out where the big treasure is. Hey, here's the key. I throw it away. Why would you do that, Lenny? It's just that. No. Oh, God. It was caused, it caused so much rethink on my part. It just it screwed up everything. So that's the 1% that I'm talking about where it does, they completely do something fucking crazy. Uh, anything else for you besides the one of the most amazing things ever that could happen? No, no. And I think it was awesome. I, it's awesome. I got into, um, let's see. Last Tuesday was my buddy Alpha was back running um, the Undermountain game, Dungeon of the Mad Mage. And I was getting kind of cocky. We were feeling pretty good, running around, trying to find some stuff. I, uh, my dwarven rogue has a tendency to go rogue it's like i got this ah, it's fine it's fine it's fine he starts getting bored brett starts getting bored i see two minotaurs I'm like ah we got this attack <laughs> there's like 20 or 30 of the fucking things and a shaman and an undead minotaurs and more oh yes just wait there's more it was brutal we lived thankfully the uh, the cleric was high enough level he had some fifth six some fucked up high level spell he's like hey, i'll just do this Whomp. like holy crap wouldn't have been for him though yeah i almost got lynched virtually lynched by the rest of the party for that one and then aj ran his um midgard game on wednesday before he and i went up to the cabin for the weekend and that was uh, it was really good aj is doing a really really good job i think and actually for the most complicated plot he's ever done a lot of times it was like you know go here get this key go to that room unlock that box get the next key for the next box to get a very story coupon very obvious this time we're like, i think i told you last time we i ran into a doppelganger you know and, and i had to the reason i found out the doppelganger was the bad guy was because he fucking doused me with lamp oil type of thing right boiling oil during a siege we kill the main bad guy, the this bizarre manifestation of Chernobog. Take care of this, take care of that. Like, okay, cool, we got this, great. And my daughter, Lana, her dragonborn is insistent that the alchemist that we 
is the doppelganger. And I'm like, I killed him. He's dead. Who cares? She's like, no, but we saw the alchemist. Now the alchemist is back in whatever the big city is. God, I can't remember the name of the damn city in Midgard. Zobek. He's in Zobek. It's fine. Whatever. Big city. Take care of all the, take care of all the shit. And Lana's like, we're going to Zobek. Fine, Alana, or go to Zobek. It's like the Greyhawk of Greyhawk, yeah. right? <clears throat> and my character and her character are bitching about the fact that I don't want to go to Zobek because I think this is a waste of time. Turns out, holy fuck, she was right. And AJ had this plan the whole time. The alchemist that we befriended took all the magical ingredients that we captured for him and he made the artifact weapon that he gave to the bad guy who then beat the fuck out of us with it. I'm like, are you kidding me? And he's like, yeah. Because, you know, uh, doppelgangers actually will capture their prey, he says to me, and, and you know, read their minds and, and figure things out from them over time. So like this, because we saved the actual alchemist. He's like, we're like, how long have you been in here? He goes, I lost track of time after two years. Like, holy shit. He totally had me fooled. I did not think that he did that at all. I'm very impressed. I can't. I, I cannot tell exactly what he's doing for the first time. We're uncovering clues. This would be like anybody else running a game for me. Like, hmm, what's going on? Uncover this thing. Uncover that thing. Ooh, what's the plot? What's going on? Any other time apart from this, I could easily see through whatever he's doing. Ah, as a kid, he's running a game. I got this. Yeah, I can imagine that kids starting out use the same kind of thing. Yeah. But he's pulling out some... uh, some twists on the old man. And I'm like, wow, I, uh, I gotta start fucking paying attention. Holy shit. Cause normally I could kind of, you know, half play and make sure he's got the rules and I'm, I'm doing different now. I'm like, I better focus hundred percent on player. Cause if I don't like drive for story here, he doesn't need coaching right now. I gotta pay attention. Or my character's going to die. Then he and I went up to, um, my family's cabin. We had some chores to do up there and, uh, in the EP and we played dungeon, um, the old board game. And played a lot of that. We hadn't played that in a while. And we tried different combinations of stuff and so on. It was a blast. Played a ton of that Duke. Played a lot of Duke. And then um, my Talisman version. We played that twice. And I won both times. Which is highly unusual. Because he usually schools me pretty good. And he is, uh, from a tactical perspective, after playing Duke with him this weekend, I'm like, you know, this is why he's clever and good at certain things in this D&D game that I'm not thinking of is because he's a better tactician than I am. He just is. He's got a better head for it. <clears throat> I don't know if it's math or whatever. I mean, he's a much better mathematician than I ever was and so on as well, but he's fast. And, uh, yeah, he, he, uh, he suckers me in on plays and Duke and stuff. He's good. He's, he's a lot of fun to play with. So anyway, that was a good time. I had a lot of fun. It's tomorrow is, uh, what the hell fuck have I got tomorrow? Tomorrow is Greyhawk online. Then Friday, Alpha's running Rage of Demons. I think we're almost done with that. Then Saturday is Greyhawk at my house for a big uh, day campaign. Then my sister and her family are coming into town on Wednesday. I haven't seen her in years. She lives out in Virginia. So it'll be nice to see her. Everybody's all vaccinated up. So get everyone together. It'll be fun. <sighs> Let's see here. Oh, and I figured out. So we're going to jump back to gaming. I figured out what I'm going to run a game hole con. It's going to be at least one Avalon game, as I oh. said. Oh. I want to run, <clears throat> there's a couple adventures I ran last game will come, which was a couple years ago. One of them, oh, sorry, I was I jumped a gun. Go ahead, man. <laughs> I'm going to r- probably run a fish story again because I had really good luck with that. I played that with um, Nola Burt and a few other folks. Um, I think Harrigan may have played that one with me as well. I had a really good time with that, and I've run it twice now. I want to run it at least one more time before I start putting it into something that I package up for Avalon 
And I also want to run, I'm trying to decide if I'm going, I'm going to run a horror game and I'm trying to decide if it's going to be a Delta Green mechanical system or if I want to use World of Darkness for what I've got planned. So I'm going to sort that out. So it's going to be at least two games. I think probably the other game I'll run, um, I'm thinking of doing a Streets of Avalon game, but with like Osric, an, old, an older system. Just to have people play in the in the world with a different system to see how it flows and so on. I've done it many times before. It's worked well for me, so I thought that might be fun to try. So, you got anything? What What do you? I know you've got one. I have one, but I haven't submitted it yet. <laughs> okay, I'm definitely gonna get mine submitted. So, yeah, I might Again, be. I might. Happen. I might do forget about it. That's an old easy go to. Uh, maybe maybe the deal LARP. Um. Oh, I think some of the uh, misdirected Mark crew is going to actually come in from Buffalo. What? I'm hearing a rumor, so we'll see if they show. That could be fun. What? Yeah, I think that would be fun. Oh I haven't seen. Oh my god! I haven't seen those folks in person since the last um, Queen City Conquest I was at, which was a long time ago already. So yeah, that'd be cool if those guys can show up. All those folks, it'd be good to see them all. It would be. Anything else? No. All right. Shall we random encounter? We should. We shall. Random encounter. Segment of the show where we field emails, voicemails, comments for social media. I'll read this one. Um, I know we don't have a lot this week, but Ty emailed us. <coughs> Excuse me. says, hey, guys, really love the show. As I'm doing my workout for the day, listening to your podcast. Okay. First off, Ty, the fact that you, that you can work out stay focused on a workout and listen to us is I think actually amazing because I would think at some point you just throw the weights to the floor and scream because you were lividly angry or something. One of, one of us do knuckle and said, so good on you <laughs> Excuse me for being able to do that. He continues. I was thinking about some stuff that I've been seeing lately on the internet about these new game systems that are coming out this year. Each of them focusing on a TV show. I'm wondering what your guys opinion of do we need to have a TV-focused role-playing game versus modifying a system that you already know to play that particular theme? Two of them that come right off the top of my head right now are Dragon Prince by Cortex Prime and Avatar by Magpie Games. So I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on that subject. And this is from Ty Prunty, a.k.a. Ty Monger. Hmm. I tell you, Ty, uh, from my perspective, the IP... We've talked about playing with NIP before. The IP has to be really wickedly interesting for me to grab onto. And I have a tendency to grab onto IP myself and I base something on it. So if I was running a, um, a Cthulhu game or a Delta Green game, I would watch, like, let's, I'll just make some old, old school, some listeners may not know about this one, but the X Files back in the day. I could watch that, <coughs> excuse me, or any. Sherlock Holmes, a mystery, something. I could read it, watch it, and go, ooh, I could take that and turn it into something. I don't have, apart from Middle Earth, I don't have a strong affinity towards a media, i.e. TV or movie, IP space, that I'm like, ooh, I can't wait to play in that. I was a big, still am, I love the Firefly series. Had a really good time. Short-lived, Serenity movie, had a great time with it. I love the complete package, awesome stuff. Never interested in playing in the IP, in the game space. So I don't mind people putting it out there. Your question, kind of tongue-in-cheek, I assume, ties like, do we need them? You know, need, eh, eh. I, 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 I wouldn't say need. 
Um, what I think is it's cool that people are taking stuff like that and doing things with it. <coughs> Excuse me. I think it's cool. The golden age of gaming that we live in, there's so much stuff to do and to make out there. When Sean bought the, uh, the aliens role-playing game and I saw Alex cameras played it a few times. He's loving it. And there's something about that IP that doesn't make me want to play that game. And I don't know why. It's kind of like I want to take pieces of it into a game I'm running. Well, I put that piece in Avalon or put that piece into a Greyhawk game or something along those lines. Or use it in my Simbroom game type of thing. But I don't have a tendency to look at those and want to do that. Sean, do you have um, – what's your thought there? I mean, Star Trek – I know you've played Star Trek, but I've never, I've never been a Star Trek fan fan where I'm like, I watch it, I understand it, I know enough about it to talk about it. But I know you've played in it, but are um, – those TV focused IP spaces. What do you think about them? Do you, do you see them and go, Oh, good for you. Hope someone buys it. Or are you like, Ooh, you know, I gotta get me some of that. The only show TV that I could think of that I've actually played, I believe is Star Trek. I think, I don't think I've played anything else. And there's been a few, there's leverage, there's super, supernatural, supernatural. Um, there was, was the uh, Buffy. There's Doctor Who. Yeah, Firefly. Doctor Firefly. Um, Doctor Who. Yeah, there's been, there's been a ton of them. Yeah, there's a, there's a few here and there. What was it Laundry? Was that one? Laundry. Shit. There's something leverage. about there's leverage. No, there's a British TV show. Oh, something I can't remember. A uh, small press did it. <laughs> Excuse me. Shit. Anyway, point is they're out there. There's, there's a bunch of them. And I think most of those IPs are not things that I like. I watch. I I, ne I never got into Buffy. I never got. I mean, Firefly, yes, but I don't know why I never really picked up the Firefly game. I think that was. I don't know. For re some reason, I could play Star Wars. I could play Star Trek, but I didn't feel like playing Firefly or Serenity. I can't remember what. They named the game. Um, Leverage, I was a fan of the show. Playing in the role-playing game, not a huge interest of mine. And it was based on Cortex. At the time, you know, I haven't played Cortex. I haven't. I, I don't know much about it offhand. I knew I had the Marvel role-playing game. Mm. And it was just something that wasn't on my radar of, ooh, I really got to get that because it's super awesome or I experienced that at a con and thought, it's Cortex, so it's got to be good. Or, oh, it's Leverage. I really love that show so much that I want to play that game. But there's plenty of people that do. Oh, um, tons, yeah. People, I have, um, and maybe it's, there's a level of fandom, I think, we're both saying we have for certain things that are like Dresden Files is a big one. Well, that's yes. kind of... Did they have a show? No, it is. Well, they I mean, did. The short-lived short show. They had a yeah. short-lived show yeah. on uh, sci-fi. Yeah. That's right. Um, but there was a short, uh, excuse me, I, I almost compartmentalized certain fandoms. Like, ooh, that's a good TV show series. We'll like that series. And I don't take it anywhere else. I'm like, oh, it's good there. Right. That's fine. I don't need to play um, you know, the Millennium, the role-playing game. or uh, It just doesn't do it for me. I think you know? for me personally, this is my take. If I feel as though the RPG can be bigger than the show or the book, 
then I, I don't have a problem probably taking it and incorporating it and playing it. And I say bigger as in the Star Wars universe is pretty, pretty big. Like, I think oh, I can yeah, carve out me. a niche in the Stars, Star Wars universe where I don't have to have everything worry about the canon. Okay, Death Star blew up. Sure. Nobody knows why. There's mixed stories. Did it blow up? Maybe it's conspiracy theory. Like, I could twist some of that. I wouldn't have a lot of the crew run into major major act, uh, characters. These characters, yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe some off ones just to kind of hint that they exist or whatever, but I would keep that away. Same with like Star Trek, right? The the world's pretty big. Lots of starships, lots of starship captains don't have to be on the enterprise. That's another thing. I don't have to be in the enterprise to play Star Trek. Yes. Which is kind of like in a, in a middle earth role playing game for me. Anyway, I don't have to be part of the fellowship to experience the middle earth game or setting. Sure. Right. right. I could be pre war of the ring after war of the ring first, second, third, fourth age, wherever you want to be. <clears throat> During the War of the Ring, you could be in an offshoot place that only the war in the book only covers certain components. You could be up at the Lonely Mountain when there's a big brawl there. You could be down south. You could be Far Harad. You could be all sorts of different places. So I feel that it's large enough. And maybe some of these other IPs are. Right. But when I see them, I don't envision them being... I just don't envision them working for me. I see them as if I'm going to use something from them in a game, I'm going to use something in an existing game. You know, like if I want to take that theme from that from that session or a theme from the show or the setting, I'm going to take it and cram it into something I already have. Sure. So, this doesn't... Now, again, as you and I have said many times, if someone's playing that stuff and they love it, good yeah. on you. Yeah, absolutely. Rock it, buy it, play it, run it for your friends. And if I'm somewhere... At a con, and you know, we got time. You say, "Hey, I've got this really kick-ass leverage game. I've never seen leverage, but if you tell me it's a good game, and eh, sure, why not? I'll give it a try. Yeah, why not? What the fuck? Let's give it a go." Yeah. Like I said I'm not a huge Star Trek fan, but if someone were to say, "Hey, would you like to try the game?" Sure, let's sit down and give it a go. I know enough to be dangerous. Let's have some fun. Give it a go. Yeah. There you go. Thanks, Ty, for writing in, man. That's kind of. I think that's pretty much where where we sit at this point. I don't. I don't think you are alone in that thinking, though, Ty. For sure. No, and I, honestly, I think that I believe that. Huh? Do I need a game about that? Or wow? Why? Why would somebody? There's a lot of that out there, and I would. I am positive somebody has looked at my Avalon setting and said, "Do I fucking need another Mega City setting? Do I really need this? What's? Why do I need that? Why would I want that? I already have Lankamar. I already have this. I already have that. I totally get it." absolutely get it you know and uh that's that's totally fine i'm never gonna be mad at somebody who's like yeah i don't like that thing I like this other thing better good for you well that's true and that that's a good point brad it, it may not just be another ip right it could be theme it could be urban yep. rural hex crawl non-hex crawl like it could just be any of those like does the world yeah. need any more of fill in the blank yeah and the world would say yes because there's different kinds or different yep people appreciate different things about it or whatever the case is. So, Well, there's 20 hardcore fans that, that bought 20 books. Right. They're happy and right. they all know each other and they're all playing this game and having a fucking blast. That's right. The, comp the company folds two years later, but they don't care. <laughs> they, they're having a good time in a little spot on the interweb. Good for them. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't mind. When I see some of my stuff, I go, huh, interesting. Not my bag. 
I wish you luck. Carry on. <laughs> Good for you, brave soldier. Uh-huh. March on. I not my gig, but enjoy. <laughs> Shall we move on? <laughs> yeah, let's get to the main topic. <laughs> my brain. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, what the hell are we talking about tonight? Tell me that has to do with role-playing games. It totally does. It has nothing to do with cats, your brain, or the floor behind you. Um, I want to talk about some cool things about different editions of games or like kind of how we choose them and so on. There's and The reason that this came up to me has nothing to do with the uh, um, current end-of-June tire fire that certain people have started. Um this is more about uh, what actually got me thinking about it, though, was a really a cool guy, Jeff, uh, Jeff Delanian, from Astonishing Swordsman Sorcerer's of Hyperborea fame. Could be third edition. Like, huh. Mm. And a couple of people threw it up on the uh, on the <clears throat> in our forums. I'm like, huh. Do I? And I asked the I asked the time longer question. Do I need that? Do I need to do that? Huh. Interesting. You know. Sometimes I have been known over the years to buy shit from somebody. I'm like, I like them. I like their stuff. I'm going to buy it. And it sits on my shelf. Click. And I'd never touch it. But I bought it because I like this person. I want to support them. So I'm going to throw this out there right now. I think that is absolutely 100% legit. It's your money. It's totally legit. You can ask somebody like, look, this is a creator. I want to see continue. I think they put out good stuff, so on and so forth. I do not find this game interesting or this setting itself all that interesting. However, this person, they're awesome. And I think they deserve a little, a little something, something for the effort. So I buy a book. Sometimes I buy that book and give it away because I know somebody who really wants it or whatever the case is. Um, but I've been known to do that. And I think that's absolutely legit. So I'm positive somebody somewhere for whatever freaking reason, like me and said, Hey, you know what? I like that bright guy. I'm going to buy his book. And it's sitting on the shelf, gathering dust. Okay. It's fine. As the creator of the thing, I'm like, yeah, I wish you would love it more. That's fine. Sean points to himself. Cause you're, <laughs> um, I hate you for it, but that's fine. You know? And I, I think that's legit. So I just want to throw that out there that sometimes I think we do that. DCC fans are noted for their ravenous approach to collecting the DCC products. They'll say, hey, we have a new sketch platinum foil diamond limited edition Doug Kovacs. The core core book. book Yes. That Doug Doug Kovacs cat peed on at one point. And somebody's (laughs) like, oh, my God, I want 60 of those. I don't know if I would go that far, but. I'm teasing. I I love I kid because I love. I seriously do. But there's some (laughs) cool stuff that I like. These weird limited edition covers for modules. All sorts of stuff. You boom, 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 boom. They grab it because they love. Goodman Games. They love the product. They love the people behind it. <laughs> they love the Jen Brinkmans and everybody in there. So they grab this shit because like, man, this is good stuff. And that is wicked, wicked cool. I think it's a great way to show support for any creator is to buy their stuff. Right. What's cooler to me, of course, is when I see something like what Jared Rasher did when he posts up um, actual plays of my Avalon setting or puts out um, uh, his, his little write up for what he did. When Craig from Third Floor Wars interviewed me, we talked about it. That's really cool. I'm very grateful for that type of thing. <laughs> so as a creator, that's equally cool. That's like, oh, you bought my stuff and you want to talk about it. Wow, that's fucking cool. Now, all that said, just kind of get that out of the way. <clears throat> There's a, I started approaching, Sean and I have been talking about trimming down the game collection and look at try, trying to be smarter with our gaming money, <laughs> as it were, right? Um, 
we're old, pretty sure we have to get used to living on a fixed income at some point. So we have to make sure we're ready for that when we hit our older age. But I look at this and I start thinking, huh, why do I, how do, do I approach new editions of a game differently? And I think I do. And one of the reasons I say that is because when Pathfinder 2nd Edition came out, my friends and I talked about it. I said, hey, there's Pathfinder 2nd Edition. And we had not played Pathfinder for quite some time. And everyone went, eh, I like the edition we have. We already have a lot of stuff for it. I'm not buying it. That was like nearly unanimous across the group. I picked up a copy because at Evercon had a wicked deal on it. Started reading. went, eh, you know, I don't think I'm going to play this. So I, I dropped the copy, got rid of it, sold it. Fine. But why, why, did you, why did you think that? Curious. So if I had been playing the game, I am positive that if I'd have been playing Pathfinder actively at the time with my home group. Yeah. I said, hey, I found second edition. And by the way, that's that thing you talked about over here. They changed it to this. This sounds wicked cool. It would have been active in our brains as a group. Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I want to try that. We'll see how that plays. We're in that. I want to get into a group, right? We were still in a groove at a certain point when the new Advanced Players Handbook came out. Ooh, let's play that. Ooh, I want to see this. Ooh, I want to see that. We're scarfing up stuff to improve or enhance, we hoped, our experience with that, with that system. So I think if I'd have been actively playing it, I'd have been in on it. I picked it up because I was curious and I got it like a third of the price, <laughs> to be honest. Because the guy um, was selling his gaming store. It was just trying to liquidate shit. I was running the con. I gave him a deal in his booth. He's like, here, you go, 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 Brett, just fucking take it and get out of here type of thing, right? Thank you, dude. Nice stuff. But I'm like, yeah, I started parsing through it, and I, and I kept thinking, I'm like, no one at my group is interested in this. Because now when we think Pathfinder, we think the Pathfinder we used to play. No one's right. really interested in the thing. Like, huh. Funky. And I know when D&D 5e came out, Sean, you're the one that talked me into getting it because you're having fun with it. You and Doc and I had dinner one night. At GameOcon 2, I think it was. Yeah, it was GameOcon 2. And you guys convinced me, like, all right, fine, fuck it. I'm going to go buy this game to start picking up stuff. And, I had a good time and look with it. at and it now. And look at it now. Sean quit, and I've got stuff. Well, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I would say look well, at the game now. but Oh, yeah, it's crazy, huge. But I think one of, the, one of the reasons that I am for the – I like Jeff Lane and the um, Northwind – uh, publishing and stuff that he does. I like what he does and so forth. I backed a couple of Kickstarters. I've gotten some cool stuff out of him. But um, I have yet to be able to get that game to my table. I'm going to run it, no doubt. It'll be fun. It'll be a good time. I played it with um, uh, Tim Deshane. You and I played with him. Awesome time. Had a hell of a good time with that. Uh, it'll be fun when it happens. But I'm like, do I need a new one? No, I don't. And if I were to run this with my group... They wouldn't know. First, second edition, they wouldn't even care. They just want to play it. <sighs> but I'm torn with the, hey, I like Jeff and I might want to support him. Maybe I'll get in on this. I don't know. But I, I can tell you that if the game is actively being played by me, I'm much more interested. I, I think if you had bought Delta Green, Sean, if it was sitting on your shelf and had been for two years, I don't think you'd have went out and bought a couple of Adventures. That you got a hold of, uh, or would you? Maybe. maybe. No, I think that's. I don't think that is a f stretch for okay. an assumption. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, you know that's very possible. Very possible. 
Now, do you now that's one that's one aspect of attacking a new addition to me is like, am I actively playing it? Is my group and am I hungry for something different or a new way to enhance the game through uh, updated or changed mechanics? Hmm. Do you see does that work for you at all, or do you have how, how do you that? Think that's a silly idea, good idea? Do you similar? Um, hmm. I don't know if I've, I don't know if I've given it that much thought, honestly. So I don't. Okay. If it has occurred that way to me, it may be subliminally. I mean, I we didn't mention this at the beginning of the show, but I unloaded more RPG stuff to Noble Knight. Two, that's true. You did two hundred and fifty, two hundred bucks worth that they're going to give me, which means that it's probably about. Four hundred dollars worth, yep, or whatever. They need to double their money. That's what they're in business to do. Sure. So it's now I almost can go into more of the games that I actually have versus the stuff that I've given away. And then my stuff. my my systems have. I mean, I'm getting down to like one hand almost. So let's say there was a new edition of Forbidden Lands was going to drop a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Would you be like, boom, I'm on that? Because you're actively playing it, does that influence you saying, I want that? As a new addition, no. I would have to... Know more about it? Well, Forbidden Lands, I haven't been running, I mean, even for a year, honestly. And... Oh, boy. My dog's down here. Oh, hold on a second. I, he's going to eat cat food. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> oh... The trial of Sean and his pets. The never-ending saga. <laughs> Damn it. Lay down, buddy. He never comes down here unless there's gunshots or fireworks. And in my Catherine. neighborhood, could be, could be either or both at the same time. True enough. True enough. So he's down here looking for solace. Um, for Forbidden Lands, it depends on what is... I would have to look into the difference. And I would... Again, I haven't been running it for one year, two year, three year, and then I'm a I'm a fan of this game for sure. But it's I don't know. Maybe okay. me I mean I would I would lean more towards yeah. If you said, Hey Sean, they're gonna launch it in like you know, a Kickstarter, it's gonna be fulfilled like by August. I heard it really kicks ass. I would probably say, Okay, I'm in. <laughs> So okay. I'd say, okay. The reason I got second edition D and D, third edition D and D, and fifth, I played fourth. I didn't. I only played it once, and I didn't. Only knew one small group of people are playing it, and I did not have a good time playing with them. Um, so that's what turned me off the game. Was because my friends were interested in it. Because hmm. I'm the guy that runs a lot of games, right? So, as the game master, we're playing three o three five. And then Lenny's like, ooh, I found this Pathfinder thing. He's like, it's like 3-5, but better. So read, 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 fine. Transition. Everybody flip over. We went to second edition because in high school, at the tail end of high school, my GM, Eric, was like, hey, this is really cool. I had a Dragon Magazine. I got the, ooh, the inside, ooh, second edition, what's coming. Ooh, this will be different and new. I wanted to be on the cusp. But Eric and I were talking about it. We both got jazzed up about it. And I think that's, um, so I can guarantee you, that if I see a lot of tweets by Deshane about, oh my God, it's Hyperborea, third edition. Oh, wow. I've seen blah, blah, blah. You totally got to do it. Oh, 
God damn it. You know, because he's a, he's, a, he's a friend and he's someone I trust his opinion on this stuff, right? Oh, lordy, lordy, lordy. This could get, <clears throat> this could get expensive. But I really do, I, I look to my friends and the people I'm gaming with or gamers I know and trust. If they tell me it's cool, that is a big thing for me to look at a new edition. And I think it's worth, <laughs> it's worth me saying that because I, I think that sometimes we're like, oh, I got this, blah, 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 blah. And if you stop and think about it, for me anyway, I'm like, some bastard I game with made me spend $200 on a game system that's rotting on my shelf. Oh, you jerks. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I think it's impo- it's kind of interesting. One of the things that I find when I'm proselytizing a game system, an addition especially, is someone will say, what's different? And there are certain things that they're not, the phrase sacred cows is kind of annoying, but there's things that are sacred or very important, right? <clears throat> so when D&D went to an ascending armor class, there were certain people that were like, oh, that goes fine. We don't need nothing else. <clears throat> right? Oh, and then they went from feats to hardly any feats. Well, all those feats were great. We didn't have feats. We didn't have great characters. I don't understand what it is you're doing. It doesn't matter what you do. Somebody out there is like, you know, Shadowrun first edition was the pinnacle of all Shadowrun games. Any dumb motherfucker who plays anything else is just a dumb motherfucker. Blah, 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 blah. Somebody out there is thinking that, I'm sure. You know, hey, I played, you know, Warhammer, fancy roleplay first edition. It's the best edition ever. Okay, good for you. That's fine. But I think there are certain, because there's certain components that sometimes they're like sacred or really important to us. And I have found that sometimes the change to those things is actually what will draw me to a new edition. So the change when I went to um, third edition, three, five Pathfinder, the list of skills and the massive list of feats and feats and skills kind of <clears throat> to me was this, this big conglomeration of things you could pair up and make work and so on. Plus the, the class powers and all this crazy shit. Neat. One of the things that made me like 5e was when Sean told me, hey, they crushed that down. They really just, the, the list of skills is like this big type, right? It's like four inches high. It's not a huge list. It's much simpler. Um, it seems more streamlined, blah, blah, blah. <coughs> Damn it. Excuse me. So it just seemed like there was, um, that was a sacred, if you will, thing or an or a, a thing that we gotten so used to for a number of editions that when it changed, I'm like, ooh, that's an interesting change. And maybe we want to check that new edition out. Have you ever seen that where you you see a change or something? Like I know Shadowrun has had different approaches for different things over the years. You've played a, a number of different versions of that. But have you looked at some systems ever edition wise and go, ooh, they finally changed this, thank God? Or anything like that? I I am not as much into that as like Jimmy Jimmy and Doc and I don't I don't even know if they're necessarily in it into it as much mm-hmm. like they're you know as much as they just pay attention to it they pay attention to it like for me I mean a second edition of Delta well third edition of Delta Green could come out and I it may come across if it's relatively new like if there's a feature in it that wasn't in a prior version for some reason but. With Shadowrun, Jimmy knows, like, third, fourth, fifth, how the Matrix worked and how it was wonky in one edition versus the next and rigors, you know, blah, 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 blah. So he understands 
because that's what I mean. He that's like he's that's his jam. yeah that's his jam. That's system mastery. I don't ever think I've claimed system mastery over anything I've run necessarily. Like not to the degree some other folks have. Like oh oh god, I'm so glad they fixed this. Yeah. It, yeah. There is the latest edition of Call of Cthulhu 7th is the biggest version edition change in how some of the mechanics work. Hmm. The push, the different roll again stuff, and um, luck. No, how do they do it? Is it luck? Is that the new For thing? Delta Green? Yeah. Uh, well, Delta Green, Call of Cthulhu 7th. Yeah. It's, all, it's different. <clears throat> it's a different, better way to go about it. Not, I shouldn't say better. Strike that. Different way to go about it. Some folks think it's better. I happen to enjoy it. Yeah, Delta Green's a 50-50. Yeah. For a yeah. very long time... Um, it would it would move, right? No. Well, what I was going to say is, for a very long time, Call of Cthulhu, apart from like first to second edition type of thing, there were so many of them, like third to fourth to fifth to five five. There was no discernible change. Hmm. Maybe the the resistance chart changed slightly, or how they did penetration tests for wounds or something. But some of the changes are like. Um, Oh, you changed the gunfight rules. Who fucking cares? A gunfight Cthulhu means you're dead anyway. Wow, I die faster now. Oh, I die slightly slower. It's a gunfight Cthulhu. It's whatever. Oh, I lose sanity a little bit faster. Yay! I'm still going to lose sanity. It wasn't that big a deal. I mean, now that said, though, there are people that I've met like, oh my god, you don't understand, Brett, because between two to three, they change this, 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 this. They're very, when you talk system mastery, those men and women are really, like, grooving on that, and they really get it. But from the outsider perspective, I had no interest in. I had Call of Cthulhu Fifth Edition because I got the limited leather bound Miskatonic Edition. I got like number one thirteen out of whatever. Kind of cool. Spent way too much money on it. Like that's my edition. Boom, done. Until Seventh came out, I'm like, eh, I don't care. It's not going to be any different. And every time I talk to people, like, oh, it's a Sixth Edition. How's it different from this? Well, it's more blue. Yeah, it didn't have enough to grab me. So the other thing I look for is something that's like sacred's been changed, right? Ascending, descending to ascending armor class. That's a big deal. Hey, <clears throat> weapons are now this type of damage, or now there's a finesse weapon, or now there's this. The core components of the game change in such a way that I'm like, ooh, I can feel my brain turning. I'm like, what does that mean? You change this component to the core. Ooh, interesting. Ooh, you, there's a mechanic now in Cthulhu where if I roll... A little bit higher, I could get a push. Well, hang on a second, I could use some luck. Hmm, interesting, interesting. Because <clears throat> I played it enough, I'm, I'm running through all these things in my head. So for me, the experience with the, with an older edition, if I have enough mastery, not complete, but if I know enough about it, that the thing that's changed, I could see how it would have changed games I've played. Hmm. Right. So if I'm having fun with it, I have regular fun with it. Like, um, uh, oh, that would be cool backwards. Neat. But when I started looking at Pathfinder 2nd Edition, for me and my group, I looked at it and went, the changes, the updates, and the things you've done here, they don't, they're not going to help for the way my team and I are playing. So I passed. But hey, when I read Call see, of Cthulhu 7th, those... I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. So, Carrie, go on. Well, some of those, like uh, I think somebody mentioned, I think Kerrigan in the chat mentioned how Cult cult i didn't know cult system before but apparently now it's pbta so it we apparently that's a big change yeah I didn't whatever know, it was to that interesting i did not well, know that. right yeah so going back to that is it 
is it a completely different game? Like, I mean, and I don't mean that like, okay, you go from Pathfinder. Well, so the, the setting, the world is there, but that's like. Right. The trade so, dress and all the yeah, NPCs. The trade dress is there. You know, Avalon yeah. is there, but now you're playing with Osric. Avalon's there, and now you're playing with Gerbs. Avalon's there, you're playing some right. Savage World. Right. It's, it's well, the setting is the same, yes. but the mechanics are different. And if you're buying it as a new edition, that almost that feels like a totally different game. I think you could argue, quite frankly, that from like first edition D and D to fifth, oh, pretty, all totally different games is how it feels. It does. There's harkenings. There's callbacks. Well, right? Yeah, like I don't think D and I mean, so it'd be the similar if D and D got rid of abilities, like. Strength, wisdom, intelligence, dexterity, constitution, charisma, gone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, I get you. Yeah. Right. No, that's a better example. That's a better way to go. Like, if they took a absolute, a thing that they've always had and removed it. <laughs> yes. Like, D&D's got... You know how we've always had elf dwarves and halflings? No more. What? Right. Yeah, right. What the none hell is No core, no, none of those abilities. Yeah, it's now a half-orc-centric game. What? <laughs> you just gotta blow it, blow your right. mind. Yeah. Yeah. No uh, hit points are gone and armor yeah. class. Now it's, you know, and Vancy and magic. Poof. Like now we've got yeah. magic pool points. Yeah. You know, this, this, and that. And, and f- frankly, fourth edition, that's probably, I mean, it still had the core abilities, but well, the way you it approached certain it, powers no, and power ups and stuff like that. Some people would say that's exactly what happened with fourth edition, and that's why I wasn't completely sold in or bought into it. Well, when you and I talked to Rob Heinzo at uh, Game Hole Three, we were chatting with him, and he said, "Look, you know, people. Uh, somebody came up and we were we're you know, just talking fourth edition. We gave him a little smack about it, and he's like, look, he said it's a fine system. He said the yeah. thing is, he said if it would have been sold under any other auspice other than Dungeons and Dragons, he's like, I think it would have done fine." You know, i.e. 13th age type of thing. So his perspective was, and I'm par- absolutely paraphrasing a very long conversation, folks, here. But Robin said, like, essentially, like, look, it, it, you know, putting the D&D banner on a thing and uh, there's expectations that go with it means that, right? something. Yeah, it means something. Right. And I think there's components about a new edition. When I get down to what's driving me to grab onto it is I want to see. New, different, changed, etc. mechanics that are helping to improve gameplay for me, right? In the way my I run, the way my groups like to play, because I know my groups. I have long-standing game groups that I game with, and I'm like, okay, this is how we like to play. This is a core group of folks I game with all the time. This will sing for my crew. I'm good. There are other games now that I'll buy. Like, well, I want to run this game. I know I can at least run it once a year at GameholeCon. That's okay, <laughs> you know. That, that's totally fine. Um, but I think that's a big one for me is that I have to have, I feel like there has to be for me anyway, a level of mastery or I run it or I've run it enough that I can understand what the changes in the mechanics will actually mean. And sometimes that's where I have to have a conversation with my friends to help them explain it back to me. Like what? Okay. So what's this fifth edition thing, Sean? And then you and doc explain it to me. And like, if Tim DeShane were to say, look, Brett, this is that you're familiar with this thing about Hyperborea? Yes. Okay. This, 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 and this now makes this faster. Oh, normally, dude, I'm telling you, I run this game often. All of my favorite game, if Tim said I run this, and it's twice as fast <clears throat> because the math is simpler. Okay. Huh. Yeah. I am intrigued because that's important to Brett. 
that the math is fast, intuitive, and I want to look up rules all the time. I want the core mechanics to do 90% of the lifting, blah, blah, blah. So I think that's that can be very important, or it is, it is for me. Uh, another one is that I think... For Cthulhu, I didn't. I haven't noticed a big problem per se, but for some folks, I have. Um, this was a big thing for second edition D anD D, and I know it's been for other editions too. They say it's fully compatible with all the other stuff we wrote. Delta Green has said that too. Like, look, you can use all the stuff. Cthulhu is like, you can use the stuff. <clears throat> second edition was like, hey, it's compatible. Uh, kind of, sort of. I think you're lying to me there. Um, but the depending what I've invested, it could be a big change. Right, because if my group is playing, and every time we play, whomp, a stack of eight books comes out on the table because those are our reference tomes for character creation for monsters and so on, so on, so on. <sighs> and now we're going to buy a new edition because we like the fancy mechanics. Great, is that eight more books? Put the cost aside, but I'm like, is any of this old stuff I have compatible? Does any of it work? Or do I should I really go? buy all brand new adventures i really can't run the old thing anymore and it, that could be a big drawback depending on your level of investment do you agree with me there yes it's a That's weird good. it's a weird thing because i don't and some people love collecting as you and i have both found out that we apparently did for a while yeah <laughs> like having tons and tons of stuff like oh wow i have it i have it i have it but anyway it is a weird thing but it's a, it's some of the things that you mentioned that I, I could probably attribute to why I would buy a new edition or not. I mean, I have Star Wars. I, I did get rid of D20, but I still have all most of the saga, and I have a lot of I mean, I have the three core books for West fantasy. End. Yeah. Well, I have West End, but I never played West End games, Star Wars. Okay. So it's funny. Like, I've had that since I was a kid and you know i played yeah. more i probably the most star wars i probably played was d20 that's funny revised because they had a d20 yeah they the d20 out, revised d20 yes. revised so why did i go to the other ones saga isn't that far a leap they it goes back to what you were saying there was enough to intrigue me and you know Frankly, a square book. I mean, what's what's not to love about a square book? Look at the form factor on this fucker. This is Come amazing. On. Rodney Thompson. What the hell is he? Where are you thinking, money buddy? <laughs> um, like tiles, like I could put on my floor. Um, I don't know, but it it wasn't as far a leap. So it wasn't a different game. It was kind of you know, still had D twenty based. You know, it streamlined certain elements of it and introduced, like, the condition track and some other stuff. The force powers were quite a bit different, which I thought was interesting for Jedi users, you know, Jedi classes. So, and it, and it was probably, like, time. So, I was like, okay, so SAG edition, yeah. And then when, you know, they lost the license and it went to Fantasy Flight and they were, like, coming out with it. And with Edge of the Empire specifically, since it was the first core book and they were kind of, it even came out with a beta, which I don't think I ever got into. With the narrative dice, I was like, huh, oh, okay, interesting. But different enough. 
what quite a bit different but it's it was changing hands it was like how warhammer has probably morphed over the years right because they did the same thing with warhammer yeah warhammer Warhammer first second edition then it went fancy flight with weird ass dice right and third edition now fourth edition is out um my buddy alpha has it he's pretty happy with it like okay cool i have a pdf of it gonna take a look at it I think there's there's something to be said um, when he said it's time. That's interesting because there were I know there are people when second edition D and D came out who were grumpy about it. Like a, you know, fans of a thing are grumpy when change happens to it, and there's reason to be right. I go through a, a change curve of my own sometimes. Like God damn it, you know, because I'm like ah, oh, I see dollar signs. Like oh, I'm gonna end up doing all this. Ah, it's gonna be hard to explain. You know, whatever. <laughs> but uh, oh lord, what am I? What am I not? I'm gonna eat ramen for two weeks. That's what I'm gonna do. Uh, no, two months, two months, two months. I can do it for two months so I can eat, buy this book, you know, or whatever it was at the time. Um, but sometimes I looked at it and I'm like, huh, well, it's about damn time. This game has been out for a very long time with these splat books that don't quite seem to jive and connect, blah, blah. And when third edition D&D came out, I'm like, okay, this makes sense. Because second edition was kind of so much stuff in splat books and publisher perish or published for the sake of publishing, it felt and blah, blah, blah. So as an outsider looking in, like, oh, this, okay, cool, cool. Something different, something new. When 3.5 came out, some of my friends and I went, are you fucking kidding me? You cash grabbing <laughs> pricks. Has even been 20 years yet type of thing. Because we were used to a life cycle of a game system like, well, it comes out in like 73 and goes until 90. <laughs> you know, right. Until that's how they ought to be. God damn it. Don't you change that. You know, and I think the other piece that's happened is the life cycle of game systems has changed because I, I believe this, um, and I'm not a hardcore publisher by any stretch at all, but after a certain point, you, you're like, so does everybody own a 5e player's handbook? Yes. Would you guys buy a 6th edition player's handbook? Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Okay, well, um, why don't we do that? You know, somebody somewhere from a publishing perspective is I have a captive audience of people where a, a large percentage will buy the new thing. And there's a sweet spot between time or of, a sweet spot of time. Like when can you or should you release a new edition? So when again, I look at Hyperborea, I'm like, you know, it's been a while since the first one came out, you know, and even the, uh, the revised hardcover version wasn't like a huge leap. It was just a, you know, a different format type of thing, you know? Okay. Huh. Interesting. A different edition of it. Yeah. Maybe this time, maybe that's okay. And you know, I, I don't know what that right is. I think every gamer has to figure that out for themselves. But the other thing, and you have talked, you and I have talked about this for ages is the old edition still exists. People, for those of you who hate that or that gamer who, you know, who's a grumpy jerk, and I don't know why they ever changed it. I just like this one. Go ahead. You can run that for us. Well, I don't yeah. want to run it. I just want to play it. Well, too never, bad, pal. Never know. It could be the diamond. Could be. Yeah. Yeah, could, it could be, be. Could be the diamond that's, uh, you know, that was D&D. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? But I have, but a lot of the, uh, a lot of the older stuff is out there. If you have it, if you've taken care of it, and you've got the books, you can continue to run it. And a lot of publishers put the old stuff out there. Like, hey, here's, here's, Watsi did a great job. Like, hey, here's all the load crap. Go get it. You want it? Buy it. Yeah. Well, I want a hardcover. Well, I'm sorry. You know, the, 
We're not putting them in hardcover. We got them here. You go to Lulu and print it yourself if that's really what you got to do. But you can you can get the content right in a decent, readable, solid format. And you could run this stuff. Um, a lot of the old Cthulhu adventures are available in some way, shape, or form, and so forth. There's a lot of the older edition stuff is still out there. And if you have your stuff, you can still run it. Um, what I think is interesting to me is a, a number of the people who have complained to me or in my presence, more specifically, about how the new edition is, isn't is as good and how come they had to change, blah, blah, blah. I was going to say it. They're players. They're not game masters. Occasionally, I hear the game masters grumble. But generally, the people are grumbling are the ones who like to play the older edition. So when the when the group that they're with is like, I'd like to I'd like to run this new game. Well, I don't see why we have to change. Well, I want to try this. Would you try this with me? You know, and the person is like, well, blah 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 blah. Then they grumble about it. And when you turn to that person, you say, you can run the old game. Then since you like it so much, why don't you run us a game? Uh, I don't want to run. I just want to play. It's an underpinning I have noticed. I don't know. That's I'm very, I Brett am a small sample size in that space, but I have. Uh, I picked up on that for the people hmm. complaining around me at my space and like, huh, interesting. Most of y'all are players. <laughs> the game masters are because I think the game masters were the ones that buy most of the books because I want to run this game gets my group to, all right, I'll go buy that then. You know, that's, I, I think the game masters are the ones that are keeping the industry <laughs> cooking because oh, of, I've always thought that. Yeah. Game masters are the driving force of the the hobby, and I could be completely wrong. I mean, there are more players, probably, obviously, but I think we're the ones that are big influencers. Oh yeah, and um, <clears throat> we're the ones running the stuff, right? And and I think there is something to be said about that. And and if if publishers understood that, I I think some do understand oh, it. I should say, but um, there's, I think there's, yeah, I don't know. There's a bunch of influences within the hobby that I think sometimes are overlooked and, and taken for granted. That's all. And That's having right. said that, on an aside, Harrigan posts, he says, says a question. He's got a, got a question for you, Brett. Sure. What, what, game, what games need new editions? Need new editions? Yeah. None. None? Would you because, think, what if, if something's out of print not not supported anymore? So what? Okay. I'm just... I mean... To, I, so when I when I hear the word need, I take it very literally. Like if you if this doesn't happen, w w what goes wrong? Hmm. Somebody I, die? Maybe something bad happened. <clears throat> okay, that's a different problem. Maybe right? they're not getting any money because it's like <laughs> it, uh, I, I mean, don't know. So when I think need is, I'm like, okay, um, public domain. A new edition at a certain point it helps to <clears throat> keep the product alive. So if there's new stuff coming out and so on and so forth. That can be very helpful for gamers and game masters and players who want new stuff, right? People who aren't sitting down and homebrewing their own adventures, homebrewing their own worlds and so on, that want to buy product and run that product. <clears throat> I don't really think any game needs it insofar as unless that, unless that publisher wants to stay solvent, then they need to produce products. If they don't produce products, the fuck are they doing, right? They got to well, do something to keep the, well, to keep the lights on. Brett, Brett, so for not throw Brett under the bus, but I uh, go for it. But Brett also has said the people, the same folks when Wizards will announce a new, like, hey, we're going to come out with another setting book, 
yep. Shh, we're not going to tell you what it is yet until yeah. you know until it comes out. And people are like, bring on freaking D and D in space. Bring out Spelljammer. Bring out yeah. Planescape. And then when they don't, everybody's upset that it's not. Yeah, that, that, fan, that fan group is upset. You know, right. it's not Dragonlance. I'm upset. It's not this. I'm upset. Right. And Brett's like, who cares? Because it's all out there anyway. So why do you care if they come out with the new setting book specifically? So it's a little different than rules. I think I think people are fans of settings, and from a conversion perspective, we've talked about converting stuff, right? Yeah. If you want, if I want to convert all my first edition stuff to make it fully compatible rules wise, it made sense, that has a proper balance, blah blah blah, to fifth edition, it takes a lot of work. Yes. We've talked about this. As somebody else could do it for me. Who's an actual professional game designer? Boy, wouldn't that be sweet? You know what? I'd pay fifty dollars for that book. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I might pay sixty dollars. Yep. So you I'll pay hundred dollars for that book. So you, you know? do understand that? Oh, I piece. absolutely understand yeah. it. The, yeah. It's the, the the phrasing, and um, I'm being a little little tongue in cheek, jerky here with Harrigan's question of need. I think <clears throat> from a need perspective, the only people who need to do it are the publishers. And they need they need the hype. They need the money. They need to do it in order to stay alive. They've got to have something going on. From a game fan perspective, <clears throat> the other thing that it does from a from a publisher's piece, in my mind, is one of the things that that's going to do is it's going to re-engage a group that perhaps isn't in your space right now. So you've got people mm. who are Spelljammer fans, <clears throat> or you find out that there's a fuck ton of these Dragonlance nuts out there. My God, Joe Manganiello, it just got all everybody all riled <laughs> up that it's Dragonlance, Dragonlance, Dragonlance. <laughs> and I got a rabid Dragonlance base. If I don't put out a Dragonlance book, they're going to go find another way to make Dragonlance. They're going to, they're not going to buy. I could get people to buy it out of pure nostalgia. I could get another group of people who walked away from D and and are looking for a reason to come back, whether they know it or not type of thing. Right. You can hook people with cool shit. <clears throat> so it's like to time Monger's question about these, do we need TV-based RPGs on Avatar or whatever it is? If if we're talking Avatar, like Avatar: Last Airbender, which is the one I think he, he's thinking of, yeah, which I believe it is. Um, if that grabs a group of people, neat. That's a new game. And if there is a, um, there's been an Aliens role-playing game before. I remember I saw it. I was a buddy of mine was going to run it back in the 80s or 90s. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it was terrible, from all accounts. I don't know anything about it, though. We never actually got to run it. We just paced through it, looked at weapons and charts, and made characters one night, and it never got any further. But it existed before. So a new edition, though, like, oh, it's been for fucking ever since there's been an Aliens RPG. That's pretty cool. Mod Modifius did it. Ages back, way back then. When? Oh, no, no, no. What am I thinking? I'm sorry. I'm thinking of something else. Um, no. no. No, somebody else. Been forever ago. <laughs> Modifius <laughs> distributes free leagues crap. Yeah. What the no uh, something no, else. You're way yeah. off. Yeah. Um, but I think <laughs> I think the uh the, a cool thing about producing a new edition or a uh, update to a setting or a piece and so on is pretty cool. Like so when I look at my Avalon book and I say, huh, I want to convert that to the PIP system, I think that could be fun. So Leading Edge Games. Yes, Leading Edge Games. There Leading it is. Edge Games 1991. Yes, there we wow. are. Wow. Yep. Early 90s. Yeah. So if I take a new edition of my Avalon setting, which is currently 
geared towards 5e and then make it for pip the reason i'm doing it is i want people who who don't want to play it in a 5e world but like the pip system want to enjoy this thing and i think that from a neat perspective that's kind of cool again i'm doing it's basically doing the legwork for somebody else and cranking out the updates the the additions the changes and so on so i think there's a there's another piece here that's additions to mechanics and then there's additions to settings right the settings that tie into different mechanics and so forth which again to me still is very similar when one of the reasons why i like first and second edition forgotten realms stuff is because there are pieces of the realm setting that to brett were sacred or things i liked that i didn't like how they kept fucking with it for third edition for fourth edition and so forth there's there's pieces and parts within it i just don't i'm like ah, i don't like that um but Greyhawk stuff, I've got the the Gazetteer from Living Greyhawk setting and so on. I like my Greyhawk stuff. I don't I jokingly say Greyhawk doesn't need a new edition, and that's cute of me, but that's because <laughs> I don't mind doing the work, right? If I'd run a fifth edition Greyhawk game, I could do that because I don't mind doing the work. I'm fine with that. You know, I can crank something out. It's a lot of work potentially, but I could do it. Now, that said, though, if you said, hey, we're going to produce a new Greyhawk book setting for 5e, I'm going to buy that book because I'm like, I want to see it because I'm a fan of it. So I think that's pretty cool. That, that kind of goes into the what does it do? It's been so long since such a thing has been produced at the timepiece. It's been so long since there's been a regular D&D version of Dragonlance. Saga and different things and so on. But if they, I, I, it'd be tempting you know so anyway i mean at least they had dragonland source books for 30 they did yeah they did greyhawk mm, well yeah just the gazetteer right just the gazetteer they had the gazetteer and there's a i think that's that was living greyhawk was the thing it was living greyhawk stuff yeah that's it pretty much i think can't think of anything else. I mean, that gazetteer isn't that thick. Is that 96 pages? Maybe 128? I'll find out. <laughs> if it's not an arm's reach, Brett. All right, back. He can't hear me. He, he. This is uh, like Eric Mono, Sean Reynolds. Yep. Cats put together. 192 pages. Yeah. Look at that. Not bad. Not bad. It's, pretty, it's been a while. Pretty thin for a campaign setting in 2021. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Can't get but, away with that shit now. <laughs> Better put out some think, freaking girth. But I think what's, again, though, I mean, the old, the old stuff's there. If you have it, like I do, and you can keep playing it. There's no yeah. one going to stop you. For you sure. Know, whatever your old thing is, you can still do it. Police There's will. something... Game and police well. But. Oh, the game and police well. There is a cool thing though. Sometimes, when if you want to get new gamers into your hobby, it is not easy to say, "Would you like to play Dungeons and Dragons?" or "Would you like to play Shadowrun?" And you pull out a book, and they say, "Wow, that was a lot of fun." Like, yeah, <laughs> can't buy it. Wait, what? Yeah, you can't. You can't buy this edition anymore. You get a PDF, but you can't get the hardcover. Oh. Wah, wah. Wah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> And that's one of the reasons why 5th edition is the D&D edition 
my three kids who really like to game, that's their quote unquote D and D edition. It's the one that came out when they were kids. That was popular when they were kids. That's what everyone, so to say, is playing. That's the one they don't mind playing my old stuff. They look looking well, through the books, figuring things out, and so on. But when all they the sit cool down, kids are playing the fifth edition. Yeah, I mean, then that's that's a thing. You know, if you want to bring, if you want to get newer people into your hobby, sometimes it is easier to say this is the newer version of a thing. You could go out and buy it right now, right? Getting someone into board games and teaching them only old, outdated Avalon Hill bookcase games that they can't buy or would cost them an arm and a leg to get. As long as you don't mind hosting board game night for the rest of your life, good good on you, but you can always play your grandpa's game, kids. You can always play your grandpa's game, kids, yeah. Anyway. All right, man. You good? I'm good. Awesome. So seriously, folks, if there's a thing, like from an edition's perspective, is there something that turns you off, makes you want to buy an edition or a change or whatever it is? I'm just I'm curious. I'd like to hear about it because I think it's um it's interesting to me to hear what listeners are thinking when you guys are looking at stuff like, Oh, this is really cool. This always, this gets me going. I love this type of thing. Oh, when they change these rules, I care. Or unless it's a X type of change up, I don't give a shit. I, I'm never going to change. I just need to, I need something bigger to happen or whatever the case is. And I, you know, maybe some folks are like, look, um, I don't change editions. I change games. <laughs> and maybe that's the thing. Like, look, this is my version of D and D click. If I want to play something else, I grab Forbidden Lands. If I want to play something else, I grab Dungeon World. If I don't like that, I grab this thing. Maybe that's the deal. I don't know. So I'm kind of curious what folks have to say. So let's see where we go. Shall we off? Let's get to die roll. Let's do it. Die roll. Two to four miscellaneous points gaming and geekery bring to you. A couple this week. First one, Timemonger lets us know about Tidebreaker Kickstarter. It's got 23 days to go. It's fully funded. Tidebreaker RPG, cinematic tabletop RPG focused on collaborative world building and quick to pick up tactical fights. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. I'd post it in the chat, but I don't know why my paste doesn't work. Oh, that's what the reason no one can hear us, too. Well... <laughs> Maybe. That's what I got to do is copy paste our audio. Duh. <laughs> Duh. That's all you have to do. And then the second one is Duke Berg. Duke Once Lord. the gleaning jewel of Calisoto, a foul wind now blows down the streets of Duckburg, abandoned by all but those foolish enough to travel there and those cruel enough to survive. Treasures of long dead merchant emperors call to you, and so you and your clan have flocked as birds of a feather to almost certain ruin. Mysteries are yours to solve, histories are yours to be written. For every day you will be out there facing Duckburg. Oh my god, this literal ducks. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. I think D U K K. Oh my god, it's literal ducks. <laughs> Actual fucking ducks. This is this 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 might be funny. This might be fun. It's inspired by Coat of Arms in a duck scription for your character. <laughs> it's gotta be inspired by DuckTales. Look at the art. Oh my it's god. It's inspired by Dark uh, DuckTales and of course Merkberg. 
So it's quack quack metal. Quack. Metal. Nice. Metal. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. I think Brett and I should play some Duck, Duck Bird. Bird. <laughs> oh my god. That's awesome. Oh. Shall we? We shall. Uh, what are we talking about next week, Brad? Next week, I want to take. Um, so, Kojo had asked us about pulling mechanics from one system to another, and this conversation, last week's, and this conversation here kind of tie into that. Um, because there are things that I've done from different editions of a system where I take it and say, huh, I really like that. Let's move it over here or some a totally different game and, and cram it in the, in the place. So, I just wanted to talk about it. We talked a little bit about that um, in answer to Kojo's voicemail last time, but let's. Uh, Let's go a little more deeper on it. Sound good, Sean? Sounds like a plan, Brett. I'm liking it. All right. So if you see, uh, we record every Monday night here on Twitch at 8 p.m. Central Time, barring any, I don't know, trapped feral cats, accidents, home models. The usual stuff. Whatever. These are things that happen to anybody. That's right. Uh, Otherwise, if you see this on YouTube, give us a like or a subscribe. And then you can always catch us and subscribe at your favorite pod catcher of choice for our flagship audio show. Otherwise, I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS produced with help from the following BSers. Andrew Lear, Fornak, Bob Fletcher, The Grave, Kevin Keneally, Miniature Master, Mike Coleman, Wayne Peacock, Michael O'Holland, Chris Shorb, Orcus Dorcas, Todd Sharp, Craig Shipman, Ewald Trooper, Quigley Malcolm, Larry Hollis, Isaiah Aries Christian, The Duke in Purple, Ed Nyes, Jay Plata, Adam Grotejohn, Phil McClory, $1 Adventure Frameworks, Eric Frankhouse Presents, Daniel Garrett, Jim Ingram, Rory Weston, Mike Hess Jr., Hoos Carl, Eric Tavola, Cole Kango, Henry Newcomb, Melissa Bashinsky, Harrigan, David F. Baylog, Rich Wishon, Brian Rumble, Aaron Coleman, Jeff Goad, Aaron Relia, Niall Diamond, Maurice, Corey Gonzalez, John Kaywer, Jeff Seifer, Andy Olson, Michael Dinos, Erica Villa, Perry Besor, Laramie Wall, Brian Kurtz, Robert Nemeth, Nolabert, George Sedgwick, Eric Salzweedle, Angus, Corey Welch, Josh Wallace, Howard Bishop, Craig, Sky, Chad Gleeman, Mark Richmond, Ron Bishop, Larry Hout, Curtis Takahashi, Christopher Lang, Old Scoozer Roleplaying, Jim Fitzpatrick, Ray Otis, Jared Rasher, Stephen Dragonspawn, Roger Brasslett, Craig Huber, C.W. Mellencamp, Dan LaValle, Eileen Barnes, Brandon Barnes, Brett Pazinski, Pure Mongrel, Mirko Froelich, Mark Tasaka, Jason Hobbs, Chris Steele, Andy Hall, Eric Jeppesen, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Old School DM, and Joe Swick. Hey, have you ever considered becoming a patron of the show? An associate producer, perhaps? At $1 a month, less than a cost of a 20-ounce soda, you could help support Brett and I produce this thing. Head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N. We appreciate it. Thank you. This This has has been been a Litterbox Litterbox Studio Studio production. production.